Welcome to the Remote Coach Podcast with your host, Ollie Carson. I am so excited to deliver you episode one with our incredible guest, Mr. Ollie Marchon. If you don't know who Ollie is, he is an ex professional England rugby sevens player. He transitioned into the fitness industry with a setback with injury, became a personal trainer, and put all of his eggs in one basket and opened his first facility, March On. March On is not only the family name, it is his mantra around pushing his business, his health, his fitness, his family forwards. And he's now running an incredibly successful facility. He's got a huge online presence, both with his social media and his online group coaching programs, March On Online. And there are so many gems for small group personal trainers, facility owners in this podcast. So please stick around, share any of your feedback on our social medias. It's conditioned by Carson with a K and it's Ollie March on on Instagram. We hope there's some value in there for you and we will see you very soon. Mr. OM, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, I put out an Instagram post kind of alluding to the fact that you were coming on. And I was genuinely inundated with messages from guys saying, how the hell have you got OM on the podcast? You are apparently elusive with this stuff. So thank you for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. That's good to hear, mate. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I couldn't turn down you, Mr. Carson. You are a, a inspirational man in the fitness industry and I follow your stories every day as well. So I think you're someone that I've personally invested into some time. So it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much. Now, obviously, we got you on today to speak a little bit more about the business side of things, because you've got an incredible flourishing business and with many different facets to it. And the whole premise of the podcast really is to is to help other fitness professionals kind of gain some insight into some of the industry's leaders, as it were. Um, and we couldn't have this podcast without having you on board. Um, seeing as you've got probably the most successful group coaching business in the country from what it would appear, from what I can see. Um, obviously, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but on the on face value, uh, it's an incredibly successful business. Um, so I really wanted to just delve into how it's kind of come to fruition and, and how you've got to the point that you are at now. And the first question really that I'd like to ask Ollie May is about the communities that you build. Because as somebody who's watched you go from the smaller facility now to the slightly larger facility, your ever-growing online coaching uh, service that you've got with March on Online. From the outside looking in, it looks like you build these incredible communities of people who really embody your your mantra around fitness and and your whole kind of philosophy around the way that people should train and diet and live their lives. Is that a conscious thing that you think of to try and create, or is it something that just kind of happens organically? I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a conscious thing. Um, and actually, it's, it's very fulfilling that you recognize rec recognize those things. Um, and I think if someone was to ask me what success is like to you, it's, I guess, the narrative that you just painted there about my business and, and the sort of things that we are we are doing. Because I think it sort of leads back to my experiences, probably from my sporting background with rugby and being involved with teams. And a lot of us as, as fitness professionals, when we, when we do, you know, we might repost something and, and welcome someone to the team. You know, we, we use this sort of, these sort of terminologies. And for us, the communities just really, they really are just an, an extended version of the team. Mm -hmm. At the nucleus of that, we've got, our, we've got our coaching team, you know, which started as myself, my best mate and my brother. So, you know, this sort of like brotherhood. And then it, the, the coaching team slowly grew out. And any, you know, clients that have come into it and the members online or in person, they all sort of like jo join our team. Um, and like I say, linking that back to rugby, what I what I really enjoyed back then was obviously playing rugby and playing sport. 
but then the camaraderie and, and the teamsmanship and what went on with, within the gym was a um, was an atmosphere and environment that I don't think you can re- recreate anywhere else. Mm. So the natural progression for me from, from rugby when that didn't quite work out was I need to just recreate what used to happen for me as a, as a, as a teenager in the gym with these like inspirational athletes that have got your back. They'll spot you. There's no, like, everyone, like, everyone's ego was sort of like left at the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what's, you know, we've tried to recreate within our gym and that's the, the product that we first focused on. And then for us, myself, uh, Charlie and Alex was all about the product. That's the kind of how we quote unquote got some success. We focused on our product first and foremost. Um, and that product then expanded into like building communities and then having a place where people had that third space outside of work, outside of home life, that gym, and what could we bring to the gym with them? They needed some sort of support structure, whether that's a Facebook group or the fact they have access to you in other ways, that community was really powerful. And then it sort of organically grows and conversations get sparked and there's like collaborative efforts and attempts to, to pick people up you know, on training and other things. Um, and we saw loads of success doing those so or doing that. So I think community is something that gets banded around quite a lot within the fitness industry, particularly in gyms. Um, CrossFit popularized it, popularized it as well. But we've managed to, I guess, just had some, you know, a fair amount of success with building communities. But it is, it's definitely a conscious effort. I'm glad to hear that it is a conscious effort because you guys do it so well, and um, it's such an incredible way of doing things because it has this almost self fulfilling prophecy where everybody who's in the community is immensely proud of being part of it and wants to shout it from the rooftops and everybody on the outside looking in wants to be part of it because it looks like this thriving thing that people are enjoying. So it works on both sides. You know, it's great for client retention, less churn. People feel like they're part of something bigger than just going to the gym and equally people outside looking in, they want to be part of that because it looks great. So it's such an amazing, um, idea and you're probably not even doing it from a business perspective well you, you might be but you're doing it because it's the the right way to do things and it and it gives the best client experience but it does have such a positive impact on the business and the growth of the business as well so um that's absolutely awesome um which is kind of almost a nice segue as well because we spoke about clients shouting your names from the rooftops and sharing stuff and tagging you into posts and so on it kind of leads on to the next question which is around social proof because typically what you'll hear most kind of business guys talking about with growing their coaching businesses, you need social proof. You need to be able to show your audience that you can achieve a result, take somebody from point A to point B. And the way that you guys have got your coaching set up, you're not actually actively putting out testimonials and before and afters and and things of that nature. So what is the biggest attraction to come and work with March on? What, what, what do you think is, in your mind, the big allure to come and, and do either one of your group online programs or, or join the gym? There's a few things here that I'll probably address. And, and, and I think somewhere within my answer, that there'll be an answer to your, to your direct question. But I think first and foremost, we or I, are we, we're so authentic in our approach to everything that we do. Um, so I think that just builds a natural level of, of buy-in and trust. Um, I think the way in which I and we live our lives as the coaching team is quite aspirational for many because we're not, we're not afraid to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily always look for um, the path of least resistance. We're happy to go down the path less trodden um, and we're willing to do like, you know, within all that, within that sort of journey is where all the learning sort of takes place. And, you know, we, we all lift weights, right? So wherever there's more resistance, there's going to be more growth. And I know some of these terms are quite cliche, but I think it's quite evident in, in the stories that we put out and the way in which we go about things. 
we're willing to put in that work. And I think for most people that are looking to either lose weight, feel better about themselves, change their body composition, get stronger, all those kind of things, that requires the level of like becoming someone different, you know, doing, do finding a process and habits and routines that aren't, they're not, that aren't currently instilled and getting a little bit uncomfortable, changing your social situations, the way in which you operate. And if we're doing it at the sort of the top level, at the aspirational level, it's kind of like, well, I'll, I'll follow it. If I, if I do a little bit of that, then surely things will start moving in that direction. So I think that authenticity is a big part of this. Um, I think the culture we've created, and I think culture is obviously created through the, through the dialogue and through the, um, through the communication between us as the coaches and our community. We, again, we started as, the, as this sort of brotherhood, myself and my brother and my best mate. Um, and I've, even now, even though the coaching team or our, our staff team is sort of eight, nine full-time people, we're, we're very much brothers and sisters, literally and figuratively. Like that's how you know, I'm quite a, um, a passionate, emotional person when it comes to like family and, and, and protecting that. That's how our business started and that's how it will always kind of go. That's always going to have its downfalls and pitfalls. But I think, not saying I can have hundreds and thousands of, of, of brothers and sisters, but I want to give people, you know, I want to give people enough care and attention so they feel as though they are. I've, I've personally invested into them because they've invested into me. So I think that's, that's part of it. I think companies like ours um, and training, you know, training um, brands like ours and what we try to do is, is give people a bit more access to ourselves, mm. make it a bit more tangible um, uh, and make it a bit more real. Um, and to, to some degree, you know, because I spend quite a lot of time on social media, mm. uh, a lot on stories, but also more so in my DMs and actually getting back to people. And there's sometimes where I like, I'll personally invest a lot of time and take on board a complete stranger's troubles and problems. Mm -hmm. um, particularly, yeah, and I think that, that that compounding over time gets, again, a lot more buy-in from people. Um, but to, I guess to, to answer your question in terms of social proof, we do do it. We just do it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess my answer is, is there's two parts to this. First and foremost, when it became about going from A to B, so purely goal-centric. Again, some of these terms might be quite cliche, but I, I truly believe in them. For me as an athlete, when I was trying to become a professional rugby player, the goal was to become a professional rugby player, literally have the, the, the tag professional. If I could put that on my business card, I'd, I'd have thought I'd made it, right? And I was 18 year, years old, I'd, I'd made absolutely nothing. And, and what happened was when I got to, quote unquote, being professional or however I deemed it, I got complacent and you know I didn't do the thing I, I forgot about the process and all the all the sort of setbacks I'd had previous and, and, and the tenacity to try and get there I forgot about all that kind of stuff and what happened was I got injured and then kind of got cast aside because I hadn't really earned my stripes to be for them to keep me on so the narrative of like march on and what that means now and again it's sort of a you know, play on words marching moving forward all that kind of stuff but it sort of started fitting together it went back to let's just focus on this process let's focus on this journey um there is no there is no end point and for most people that now come into our yes the people are people we transform transform people's lives all the time mm -hmm. both in in picture forms and also their, their mentality and you know, their relationships all those kind of stuff but we decided and at times we drip feed these into our social media but we want people to fall in love with that process with that journey with that way of life but march on's not just about you know, a certain amount of calories or using my fitness power or doing a training session or doing a training program. It's just like your way in which you view life. It's the way in which you view your training. Obviously it's all linked back to health and fitness because that's what we're about, but it's trying to encompass different areas of life as well. Um, and we sort of call it that, that's, that's the march on mentality. It's the march on way of life now. And it's, it is like, a, it's, a, it's daily actions, not what can I achieve, you know, over six weeks. 
that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And it's, it sets you apart from what so many other people are doing in, and you spoke about doing things at the aspirational level in terms of the effort that you put into your training, your nutrition, recovery, all of these different facets, you know, in an industry where quite often a selling point is, like you said, the path of least resistance, how can I get from point A to point B in the easiest possible way? That's often a big selling point for, as a consumer. But where you guys are going slightly differently and against the grain is actually, we want to push ourselves to levels that other people just simply aren't willing to work. And it's not to say that what you're doing is unattainable. You've clearly proven time and time again with yourself and with your clients that it is attainable. But it's you're almost buying into this notion that we do things at the top level. You know, if you want to be part of what we do, you got to take this stuff seriously. You got to train really hard. Your, your training sessions are absolutely ludicrous. I watch them on Instagram. And I'm like, oh my god, that looks absolutely <laughs> hideous in the best possible way. Um, but it it's going almost against the grain of what the, the typical narrative is in the industry. I can get you from point A to point B in the easiest possible way, um, and I love that. Yeah, just the, my final kind of points on this is first and foremost, yes, it's 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 operating at the top level for the individual. So like it's trying to find that extra five, again, a cliche, trying to find the extra 5% for that person. Like what that looks like for me is obviously going to be very different for, mm -hmm. for everyone else. And what that looks like for the guys that I aspire to be like is very, very different. Right. So it's actually just trying to push to go to that place. Mm -hmm. that, and, that, and that's where the growth happens. Just coming back to the, to the, from, from point A to point B as well. And this is, I guess, to give, just give credit where credit's due within the other people in the industry for people like yourself and, and everyone else as well, because my experience and my journey through fitness has never really been about point A to point B transformation. Mm. Like, again, my USP and if people sort of know me from, from, from the very early days, you'd have seen that my physique and the way I look and the way I, I train and everything else has been consistent the whole way through. Mm -hmm. I'm probably one of the very few people that will have a six pack, three, six, five. Um, for the last 10 years mm. uh, and you know and I'm, I'm a very extreme individual so I'm able to do those things but it's, it's not extreme to me it's extreme to others if if I'd have been a bodybuilder where there needs to be deliberate practice to gain lean tissue gain weight you get a little bit out of shape you get a bit fluffy and then you lean down for a show or whatever it is you, you do have point a to point b transformation mm. you've done that work so you can actually then sell and market to a particular group of people that are looking for a transformation yeah I've never really done that Right. So, yes, I can take someone who's overweight, out of shape, unconditioned, not very fit and make them in you know, the complete opposite. But they're not really all the people that those sort of people don't really come to come to us. They're not people that are looking to go on stage because I've got no expertise in it. In fact, I'd refer them to someone like you who is at the top of the top of their game. They're not you know, we have a nutrition business. So that takes care of the nutrition side of things, because I believe that. I couldn't do justice to coaching some nutrition in these days. So we, we offset that to our nutrition coach who, and there's plenty of transformations there, but the people that come to us for training, they've probably got a fair good, you know, a good training base, a good level of fitness, a good um, sporting history. And they're just looking to take the training to the next level. So it's not really about A to B social proof. It's more about let's just train and, and do some cool shit. Yeah. And, that, and that's cool. That's amazing. And again, going back to the whole idea and the whole, again it's probably not a conscious effort because this is just the way that you live your life and it's what you your philosophy around training and lifestyle should be and it's an incredible philosophy to have because it's it's a healthy one but then from a business perspective what it does is it reduces churn it reduces people coming and going because they're not going right six week transformation you're in you're out see you later 
you're actually taking people on board and people are becoming part of your community. Again, going back to the communities and the culture that you've created. I mean, we don't need to go into the specifics of your client retention with your online programs and all that kind of stuff. But I saw you put a post up the other day, one of your members who's, I think had been with you sort of five years or six years or something, you know, that's, that's a deliberate representation of your mantra and the way that, and the way that you coach people and what your ideology is versus if you were a transformation gym, you come in, you do your six week program, you're out the door which from a business model side of things isn't potentially the best way of doing things. So conscious thought or not, it's a great way to, to deliver your coaching. And it's, it's obviously part of your success, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I, know, I know you're keen to go to the next question, but my last point on that would be, and I know you, you talked to this about the guys you mentor is, is actually understanding the why, which can take some time, mm-hmm. knowing what your values are. And then the people that engage in your business are going to align with those values and you know, we I trained three six five, you know, mo, mo, you know for, for most of my life, over over fifty percent of my life, I've trained. So the people that sort of come into our, our business, I want people that are going to invest some time and some effort and some money and other things because their values align and they hold their training in the same same regard. So, um, yeah. And the last point, I'll just I'll just say there what you mentioned about the gyms. <laughs> some people that start their journey with us, we we we, we all focus as coaches, we should do it, and meeting people where they're at. And most people won't take training as serious as, as I do or some of the other members of our gym does and rightly so because they're not there yet um, and they can't organize their life, life around the kitchen and training like we do but it's about once they've well, once they've made that foot is taken that step in the door it's then about the education process and eventually over time these people do then build such strong habits with their health and fitness so that we then find when things happen like a pandemic or gyms close they've invested that much time and they've become someone new that there isn't going to be that churn. There'll always be some churn because of you know livelihoods and businesses and what else has been impacted, and that's out of our control. But if we do the necessary work to meet them where they're at, and then teach them about our values and the importance of this stuff, there won't be that churn. Particularly mm-hmm. if you translate the forefront of everything they need, and that comes with an awareness and constant trying to develop your product and never get complacent with it. Yeah, definitely. And again, w- without trying to drag this one out for too long it's it's almost created this although it's not a quick fix approach you're playing the longer game you know it it may be a little bit harder to get buy-in from the client because they're not going to see huge transformation very very quickly but the buy-in that you get and from a long-term business model it's just it's such a powerful way of doing things um so it is it is incredible um you briefly spoke about mate um, being quite an extreme character and, you know, being at the top end of everything that you do and living life in the fast lane to some extent with what you do with your fitness. Um, and you have spoken openly previously about sometimes getting it wrong with, you know, family, fitness, business, trying to balance it all. And I'm definitely in the same boat as that. You know, I've, I've got it wrong at times and I still do to this day. I'm a massive believer that energy goes where focus goes. Okay. So, if you're focusing on your training lots, then see your energy is going to go there and it's going to take away from other areas of your life. Do you do anything specifically to make sure that you're not dropping the ball in particular areas of your life? Or, or do you just kind of take it on a day by day basis? Do you do, you know, scheduling, journaling, anything to that sort of effect? I'm definitely someone that is a day by day process in, in, in almost everything. Like I, I won't actually, in fact, a couple of years ago when, when business was sort of smaller and, and my, I had a bit yeah, there weren't so many things going on. I literally wouldn't even think about what was going on the next day. I just worked through each day and give it my best every day. And that kind of had success. 
um, now because there's so many different sort of facets to our business and there's other things that, that and, and also to my being with being a husband and father and everything else I need to I need to diary you know put, schedule things put things into diaries um, have different systems and things but I think in terms of like coping coping mechanisms or things that I've done I've, there's a, I just do a lot of self-reflection and I'm very very self-aware which I don't think I was in the past because I don't think we're, some of sometimes when we become too self-aware we reflect a lot we unearth things that potentially aren't too comfortable and then we have to go and cope and deal with those things which again might take more of our bandwidth because they, they need some focus but i think as i've evolved through whatever the different stages of my life would be determined as i guess you know athlete boyfriend turn husband turn father turn you know businessman or you know and those things that's not in a chronological order but there needs to be some you know some, some reflective time to understand how can i you know portion my time what's really important to me at different stages of the year appreciate that things are dynamic appreciate that i have to i've had to become less selfish because I'm, I'm i'm i am inherently quite a selfish person mm. i'm actually a very very private person as well even though I've, of, of late i put a lot more on social media i'm a very private person i have a very tight circle because those people get the very best of my energy well at least i've tried to give those people the very best of my energy mm. um, and that's sometimes where i feel as though i've, I've dropped the ball because sometimes people do just get the worst. The, the people that mean the most to me actually end up getting the worst to me. But I think just being very self-aware, there are things that I've done intermittently, you know, with you know, meditation, breath work and stuff like that, just to, you know, center myself. But I also think, and this, this sort of stuff probably came in the first lockdown where all of a sudden we've got loads of time. We actually just lump loads of stuff on ourselves to try and, you know, get more centered, get more grounded, spend some time on stuff that we don't, you know, we didn't necessarily do before. And then that becomes quite overwhelming because if you're someone like me, it's like, right, now you're the guy that does, you know, cold exposure, breath work, daily mobility, training, time with your family, business stuff. All of a sudden, again, my bandwidth gets even more stretched. I've tried to implement things to, to, to give myself back some time um, and not drop the ball, but I've actually just put more on my plate. So I find the best approach for me is just like take, take things day by day, make sure that everyone around me that are the people that mean the most, like their thoughts and feelings mean the most to me. Make sure they have direct access and it's open book that if I'm not pulling my weight, someone give me a kick up the backside, someone tell me. Yes. And that's that's important, isn't it, dude? I'm exactly the same as you. I almost kind of auto-regulate where my energy goes based on the feedback that I get from people who are important to me. But the, the big thing that you pointed out there, which is really, really important, is the open line of communication between those people. So if if I'm getting too intense with work and I'm not spending enough time at home with the kids, tell me, you know, it's an uncomfortable conversation. There might be some initial friction, but I know ultimately that you're right and you're taking a bird's eye view and I will adjust accordingly. Equally, if you're fine with the kids, the kids are happy, I'm happy, the business is flourishing, so on and so forth. and We're happy to continue making some progress there Then brilliant. But not having that open line of communication and everyone just kind of burying their heads in the sand. That's when you run into complications with your with your you know your partner your wife and so it's really really important to have that communication i know you've spoken about it before um the the relationship that you have with Loz and and her being able to rein you back in and your family being able to rein you back in when you may be getting a bit intense that's a massive important part of juggling and spinning all these plates isn't it um but i'm the same as you dude i just kind of take it as it comes and and, and adjust where needed it's almost like auto-regulating your life isn't it to some extent um well that's got and I've got, again i've got nothing wrong with people who who journal and schedule their day but i think life can just throw so many curveballs and you can have all the best intentions to do x y and z but 
something invariably always crops up and kind of ruins your plan, doesn't it? Um, I think um, that, that, that last bit there is really important because I think the people that have the most success, you know, and I view you as someone who's uber successful, is your ability to create urgency for yourself if you've had an idea or if you've found something that needs fixing for your, for your mentees, for your, for your coaching business, for your family, or whatever it may be, or even for you personally, right? It's, uh, I need to go and do this. It's urgency, implementation, the, the, the ability to be dynamic. Um, and in order to do that, you need this area of auto-regulation to be like, well, I had this to-do list. All of a sudden, the fitness industry now needs this problem fixing or the menti- my mentees need this problem. If I just work on my to-do list and add this at the bottom, it will never get done. Mm-hmm. But if I can just scrap that stuff off my to-do list, I'm going to go and pull a, you know, an all-nighter to get that bit done. Mm-hmm. And, and if all those different pieces in your, your, the open lines of communication happen, you have the conversation with SOAP, invariably like the same conversations with LOS, then you're able to get... You know, nothing happens with balance. So, I mean, we, we have to be extreme if we want to operate you know, and push our businesses and, and, and create real change. Um, but then, it, yeah, it's just about having those coping mechanisms. And, and it, really, I just think it's conversations that need to happen, difficult conversations. Yeah, definitely. You nailed it with the urgency thing there. It's ma- something that I'm massive on is, is implementing quickly. And, and if there's anything that I've learned over the years with the coaching business or whatever it is that I'm doing, it's that it doesn't have to be perfect to get started, but you do need to start for it to be perfect. Again, a bit of a cheesy saying, we've had a couple of this podcast, um, but it's important, you know, people will just sit on their ideas and they have this fantastic idea and it will just end up being nothing and time will pass and somebody will have already done it and you've missed the boat. When you have these eureka moments, getting, getting it out and doing it as quickly as you possibly can to the best of your ability, because I'm a, a huge believer of how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, it should be a reflection of you and the type of person that you are, but just get it done. You know, stop sitting on these incredible ideas um, and going back to the relationships. It's important again, that you have this open line of communication with everyone to just know when you're, you're overstepping the mark. All right, Ollie, you're taking the piss now, mate. You, you've come to bed at 11 PM every night this week, spend some time with the kids. You're right. Okay, and you can dial it back down. Um, so yeah, I'm a massive, massive believer of that. Um, next question, mate. I was just wanted to talk about how quickly March on is scaling. And again, this is all from me taking an outside view. So I could be completely wrong and off the ball, but it seems to be scaling so quickly, especially with the online side of things. You do this great story where you show different areas of the world who've just purchased a, a March on online program, which is incredible. It's amazing to see the reach and people on the other side of the planet taking part in in your online coaching programs which just must be so fulfilling but what would your advice be to coaches with aspirations to see similar growth what would be either a really avoid doing these things or b really consider doing these things what what would those be for you i think again i only can talk from my experience and stuff but i'm no no, like expert in this but it's something, these are things that I've been doing for such a long time, right? Social media stuff, like getting back to people, posting content. I've done it for years and years and years and years. And years. Like I actually think I started probably when Instagram started. Um, so it's just that compounding effect of continually doing it. And one thing I think why I might get frustrating for people eventually is because I will never give up. I, I've constructed, yeah, all the things that I do are things that I really enjoy doing. And the barrier to entry for me is very low. You know, if you look at my social media, it's like just post a workout. I do that every day. It's very easy to do. I don't really care about how it's edited. There's some content in there for someone that wants to do a workout. My stories are just my ability to show all the great things that happen in my day, the interactions with the amazing people, my family, my kids, my wife, my, you know, the, my team members, and, and our clients across the world. So for me, implementation, that's very, very easy, right? So 
I can play, you mentioned the long game, and that is it's so important. No one's willing to play the long game. Everyone's looking for a quick return on investment within their business or their coaching business. Now, there are some quick wins and low-hanging fruits that every coach, PT, online coaching person can implement and give themselves some confidence that what's working, what they're doing is working. But for the most part, the reason most people leave the industry after two, three years is because they're not willing to play the long game. They're not willing to earn a bit of money and reinvest it into their business. They're not willing to, to just do the work, to pull the, lot, to pull the 40, 50, 60, 70 hour weeks. So I think to answer your question, avoid just the, you know, the, the, the shortcuts, yeah. avoid the quick fixes, do, do the work. Like that's the most important bit. I think avoid imitation, avoid like, just comparing yourself to others. Now we're all trying to operate online on social media. All of us care about what the other fitness professional thinks about ourselves. Like they're not going to buy your services. I say this to the guys that I'm into all the time. I'm like, I, I care about you because like you're one of my mentees, right? But I don't care what the content is you put up, you put up. Someone will. And the reason you're you, all you're doing is talking about your area of expertise, which is the same as what you're doing in person. So just start po- that. Just start posting. And start doing it. Um, I think things to do. Now, obviously, I would say this, and I think you would too, is is to find people. Um, peers, mentors, people within the industry that you aspire to be like, that have got their shit together, that have the same value, just as we would try and align clients with our business, align a mentor or coach or someone with your business. Some some things that people probably people don't know about me or, or do is that I've never cut back on what I invest in my own education or my own nutrition or my own health, right? And by that, I mean, and it, yeah, even as an athlete, you know, when I've used to play sevens, some people on this podcast might not know, but there was a, there's a winger called Dan Norton, right? Who's one of the best uh, sevens wingers in the world, played for England. When I played for England, like he was the guy that kept me out of the team. There was no way I was ever going to play ahead of him. But I went and paid to train with his sprint coach, who's an Olympic athlete sprint coach, right? And I was a PT at the time, trying to make it as a rugby player at the same time as well. So I'd leave you know, coaching from five to whatever and drive to Lee Valley, which was a good hour away and go and do like sprint training. I'd always invest in trying to find the best coaches to make me a better person. And that's again, just a, I guess a narrative that I try and tell to other people. When I started my gym, I didn't, yes, it was a bit on the back of a fag packet, but I did go and I spent some time, did some immersion weekends, you know, bought into mentors, bought into courses, joined groups. Um, And I think, yeah, I think if I, yeah, to answer your question, so it'd be, you know, reinvest, be consistent, play the long game um, and think about how you can be relevant in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time. And I know we all, again, cliche, reverse engineer the process. But if you think about that, then you won't be dropping out after three years. Yeah, it's such an important sentiment is playing the long game and, and, and making sure that you're thinking ahead. But it's just not the sexy thing to to tell people is it you know because like you said people want a quick fix the same as anything in life you know look at the industry as a whole from a consumer consumer standpoint most people want a quick six-week transformation or whatever it might be you know it's human nature to want things and want it fast especially in the digital age where you can get things so quickly you know you order something online you can have it on your doorstep that afternoon if you're early enough in the day Um, and that's kind of leaked into every aspect of of our lives I feel and you said it earlier, just kind of hit the nail on the head, which was um, around just being willing to do the work and, and enjoying the process. And when you focus on that, you almost lose sight of these huge outcome-based goals. I want to make X amount of pounds per month. I want this many clients this month. 
fall in love with the process, provide an amazing service to your clients, put value out on social media, help people, reply to people in the DMs, you know, get uncomfortable with doing these things, show up consistently. And the more you fall in love with that process, the results, the success, the, the money, all the rest of it, it comes as a bit of a byproduct, doesn't it? Um, but it's just not a sexy thing to sell to people. Um, but, the, point, yeah. the, the point here is as coaches, we all say all of these things to our clients, right? Trust the process, be consistent. All the, and when it comes to like our own coaching business or any, you know, anything that we try and do personally, we, we don't we don't apply the same thought process. Mm. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's kind of crazy, really. But, and I, and I, I do get it because, like you said, society has now made us think that everything should happen at the drop, you know, the, the click of our fingers. And, and it's so easy. Um, and we see other people doing it and the success they have. But behind every person that is successful, we don't actually know the work that they've put in. Again, like, I've followed your, your story for a long time now, you know, from, from, from you know, when you left um, the military into the grenade stuff, you know, I, I've seen all that and I've seen how consistent you've been. So that you know, success leaves clues and there's no, you know, there's no denying the work you put into to get to that level. I think a lot of people now that see online coaches and people having success who have just started following them or something that, and they, they'll try and like implement, you know, you've got some great systems and things that you'll get people to implement. And that's great. Like implementing stuff in the systems, but, that person might not have the brand awareness mm. or you know any of the other the other bits and pieces so they've got to try and do all of that and then they just need to appreciate what they start doing today like they'll probably see the return on the investment in the six six months the year's time the two years time and think about where they can be there and that coach is probably not 30 plus years old they're probably now 22 24 mm. which re relatively speaking that's a good you know a good place to try and be to try and shoot for where we are we are when they get to that sort of age you know i'm thir i'm 32 so the coach that speaks to me that's like 22 or 25 i've done so much more than that person's done yet so takes takes some time yeah definitely man such a such an important message um kind of final question do before we do a bit of a quick fire round just for a bit of a bit of a laugh and also i'll just ask some questions from the instagram poll that we put up yesterday um what would om say today to om five or ten years ago on the shop floor working with clients face to face what would be like the the golden nuggets uh, I think what I did, what I did five, 10 years ago was I, I, I lost the passion for coaching because I chased, um, I, I think when you're, when, when, when you're a self-employed trainer, so you're working for yourself and there's only you, it can become very isolating and you chase the money, mm -hmm. right? And that's what I did. I chased, I chased the money. Um, and don't get me wrong. It paid off because I've not had to take any debt for where my gym is today. Right. So, mm -hmm. All of it came from my personal investment, my life savings, the first gym. And I was only able to do that by chasing the money as a trainer. But what happened was, and it was sort of like a do or die situation, I, I experienced burnout. Um, and I think that's very common for anyone that's, that's self-employed in any industry that's just chasing, that's chasing money and doesn't have a support structure, you know, network around them, be part of a team, that kind of thing. So it was do or die. It was like, this gym needs to work um, and I'll give it a year. I'll invest all my money into it or I'm going to have to go and do something else. Mm. So I think people that are now trying to you know, understand work-life balance and sort of construct the perfect life, yes, you need to work bloody hard. And yes, you need to push yourself. And yes, you need to do the longer, the longer weeks. But just understand that if you are a self-employed trainer, at some stage you will experience burnout if you don't spot the signs and if you don't try and put the systems and things in place. Mm. So make it about the money because you can leverage that. So you know, part of leverage is, is having the, the capital to be able to do things. But 
again, try and reverse engineer how much you need, but based on what you're trying to achieve, because if you just go down that rabbit hole, it can get quite dark. Yeah, I think you're completely right, mate. You know, burnout is such a real thing, especially for face-to-face personal trainers. The hours are typically unsociable. They're usually back-to-back. They require a lot of focus, energy, attention, and, and care for the client, and rightly so. You know, when client plays a client pays a premium to be with you face-to-face, you need to be showing up accordingly, right? But equally, the message isn't don't strive for the long hours and for putting the money away and saving your capital so that you can reinvest in the future. That, you know, you already said it earlier, to get extreme results, you need to do extreme things. But equally, it's being aware that it happens and it's probably going to happen and just make sure that you're prepared for it as best as you you can be. The message isn't don't don't overwork. Do, do overwork. If you want to be successful at this, you are going to have to put in a a serious shift. I I think that's important to get that point across. Um, Awesome, man. Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for all of that. We've got a couple of just jokey quick fire questions and then there were some decent questions on the instagram poll as well so i'll just ask you a few of those and we'll keep those to nice short responses as well just to give a general feeling um but quick fire round choose one in person or online coaching in person would you rather one inch off your arms for an inch on your calves an inch on my calves is the only way they're going to grow (laughs) um most frustrating or annoying question in the dms i've got a good idea what this might be I'm going to give you two answers. Like, first and foremost, just any question that's not very well considered or very polite and yep. quite abrupt. Like, yep. who you just slide my DMs and not think about the question you've asked? Yeah. Um, and then just like, what's your calories? Like, that's just ridiculous. What's your calories? Okay. I thought it might have been something about like a, a casing, a casing. Pudding oh, yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know better than I do. Yes. Yeah. That um, choose one Chad's hair or Chad's cars for the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that fussed about cars, but uh, Chad's here. <laughs> Epic. Okay, cool. Um, so Instagram poll went up. Um, there were loads of questions around, you know, how do you open your first facility? All of that kind of stuff. We'd probably have to go into loads of detail to, to cover those questions. So I'll try and keep it to the, the slightly shorter answers or what I think would be shorter answers. Um, what's a professional strength and conditioning coach at a club ever on your mind? Yes. So when, when I finished university, I did a strength conditioning internship for a year, which gave me you know, insight into performance sport. Um, but at that stage, I wanted to go back and play professional rugby. So I started as a, I just started as a freelance trainer to, I uh, backed myself on the gym floor to earn some money to be able to fund myself back into, into rugby. So I got back into rugby and then I, I'd done the rugby bit, I got a little bit older and then I realised mainstream fitness was a little bit more lucrative mm. and the fitness was moving in a way that people i wanted to try and create a fitness environment i.e the gym and a product that was synonymous with snc people would you know gem pop everyday athletes would start to buy into the just a more performance driven yeah. route of fitness yeah but and by that i mean like the people that aren't you know they'll, they'll turn up to a session not pissed so i mean people that want to yeah, yeah. That, slightly, that's still slightly like, further along the road in being serious about making some exactly. results yeah yeah exactly um with the pandemic shafting small group PT, would it be smart to hold off on going for a facility for a bit, in your opinion? Um, I, I think there's going to be some great opportunities right now. I think there's some good deals and bargains to have with, with landlords and, and getting a facility. Mm. Um, I do think, you know, COVID, I think the narrative is going to change coming into March, um, well, March, April. So I think people are going to look to get back into gyms. I do think you'd be right to be wary of the tiered system, how this gets opened back up with the way in which you're going to operate and the model you roll. 
that you'll use. But that said, if you can get a good deal on a facility now, there's no reason why you can't have a business model and whatever it looks like in terms of how you're going to coach people and then adapt it and be dynamic as you go forward. Again, it's very difficult without context because some people are more risk averse than others. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it comes down to, like you say, what you've got behind you in terms of backing, you know, wealth is often described as how much money you have in the bank, but wealth is actually how long you can go without money coming in. That is your wealth. And so if you're going to take big risks, like signing yourself into a lease, putting money down for equipment, so on and so forth, you need to ask yourself physically, how long can you go without any sort of income stream without running into difficulty? So that would be the kind of main point of concern for me there. But mate, that's perfect. All the other questions are really quite in depth and long so we'll leave those there and and just to wrap up mate thank you so much for taking 45 minutes out of your day to come on and 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 give some of your insights into running an incredibly successful group coaching business both online and in person um some huge gems in there thank you so much mate really really appreciate it um where can people find you i know you've got the mentorship program running at the minute where can people find more information about that um if they want to develop their careers as a personal trainer yeah so our education business is, is the PFCA, so the Professional Fitness Coaches Association. So we do further CPD and education and, and mentorship for, I guess, more in-person coaches, um, although they are all having to adapt and hybrid their model at the moment. Uh, and then just on Instagram, at Ollie March, and I'm, I'm on there most days chatting stuff. Um, but yeah, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on here. I've really enjoyed it, and hopefully there's been some value there to your audience. 100% there has been, mate. We'll definitely have you back on in the, in the future of your comeback and... I'm sure the business model will change over time and we'll get some insights into that. I'm sure you'll probably be doing something crazy and successful in the not too distant future. Uh, but again, thank you, mate. Um, go and check out Ollie, as he said, on his social medias um, and go and check out his personal training development courses. They're absolutely incredible from what I can see on the outside looking in. Um, and we will speak to you again soon, mate. Cheers. Thanks,